The following podcast is a discussion between two experts in their fields of beauty and not meant to be taken as medical advice. Be sure to consult with your doctor if you have any medical inquiries. Hi, this is Dr. Neil Shaw, and you're listening to Masters of Beauty. So I recently did this podcast with a funeral makeup artist who's amazing, by the way. Her name is Kelly. And for my listeners, you might be wondering, why am I talking on Masters of Beauty with a funeral makeup artist? Well, people who are recently deceased, they still care or would care how their body's presented to the world. And more importantly, the family cares how they're presented. It's fascinating the transformations that you can see how many of us, when we recently passed away, we don't really look so great. We're sunken in, we've lost a lot of volume, our skin doesn't look healthy, and the transformational properties that are necessary to restore us to look our best. I found this super fascinating. Another interesting, fascinating topic about this was what happens when we do filler. And she's noticing that patients who do filler actually look better when they're dead than those who don't, which I thought was a nice, interesting side note. So. Without further ado, let's find out how we can look our best when we're dead. Kelly Ablendinger is the funeral director at Calumet Park Cemetery. And you decided to become a funeral director after losing your father in 2014. You earned your mortuary science degree in 2018 with honors. And you're very passionate about not just uh, your career, but how you, your, what you do translates into helping patients handle their grief and really doing that. You have a real tremendous amount of empathy for everyone involved in this process. And I think that you um, having lost your father has really helped you kind of understand the grieving process, which is not easy uh, for others to really understand. And I think the first thing um, you know, people are going to ask is, uh, why did you become a funeral director? What, what made you, um, want to do that? Um, what made me want to do this actually started when I lost my mom first. Um, my mom passed away when I was 19. And when we went to her funeral, her wake, the visitation, um, she did not look like herself at all. She was very bloated. Um, she looked like double the size of what she normally is. Um, that had a lot to do with like the embalming process. Whoever did it, didn't do it correctly. It also had to do with, they overfilled her face. Um, they thought that she was a heavier lady, I guess, in life. And they overfilled her face with feature builder. Um, and she, that picture of her will be in my mind forever. And it, and it's an awful memory that I'm going to have that's in my head for the rest of my life. So that's when it started. And then I went in, my dad passed away um, about almost seven years ago and we went to his visitation and he looked amazing. He looked actually healthier in his casket than he did alive. And I, so that I was really intrigued by the process of how can one person look so terrible and then the other person look amazing in a casket. And, and the two just, I wanted to know more about it. So I, that's when I got into the funeral industry and I became really intrigued by the whole process. And it all starts from the beginning, from the embalming process, all the way into, to the end of it, which is the last thing that's usually done before someone's in a casket is the future building and the makeup. Um, and that makes a huge difference in, in the whole process. So, so, so let's talk about that a little bit. Um, you know, I, I'm dealing with people who are awake and alive and all that stuff. 
Uh, but a lot of people don't realize that they care how they look when they're dead, because, um, you know, you don't want to have this memory of yourself being, um, you know, withered and sick. You want to have the healthiest version of yourself. Um, what's your feelings about that? What are some of the uh, things that clients tell you that, you know, people, you, you know yourself from experiencing this? Most of the time, you know, when a family comes in and I've actually in the, time that I've been a funeral director, I've not had anyone that wanted their loved one's casket closed. Most of the time when I'm, I'm so passionate about this process of them looking so good, um, after they pass away that I put my heart and soul into making sure that they look exactly like they looked in life. So it's a huge deal when a family comes in, I've been in the funeral industry and I've seen other funeral directors do work to where the family will come in and be like, that doesn't look like him. Can you change? Can you change something? Can you, um, you know, make their lips look different? If you, I mean, it's has to be precise or they will know right away. And it is a big deal. Um, a lot of people will also say that my mom was so vain and she didn't want anyone to see her sick. So we want to have like a family visitation privately so the public can't see her looking sick. So, I mean, a lot of people are very vain in life and they are also vain with their death as well. That, that's super interesting how you can, um, you know, that, that whole psychology of how we look alive, how we look dead and how it impacts the loved ones because they want to have this most um, vibrant version of ourselves. Um, let's kind of go feature by feature and kind of talk about that. So if okay. I see someone alive and they're looking older, the first thing I notice is they're losing volume. Uh, tell me how that affects when you see someone who's recently deceased. Um, how does volume play a role in there, um, making them look, um, you know, more youthful or more attractive again? So um, when we pass away, the first thing that happens is de decomposition starts to set in and um, emaciation. Emaciation means like um, the fluids in our body that we typically have waters, which keep our face looking full starts to diminish because um, that's just the process of dying. Um, you become emaciated. So the first thing I see um, is here in the temples uh, when, when this uh, starts to sink in right away. So you there'll be an indention right here in the temple area. Also the lips dehydrate. They are completely dehydrated and they become almost like half the size that they typically are when we're alive. Um, another place that dehydrates is in the cheek area and under the eyes. And then also the eyelids sink in and it becomes um, almost like you could see the eyeball form. Uh, the formation of your eyeball. So those are the first things I look at. And when I, I actually have some stuff I, I brought with me, these are kind of, um, this is typically what I use. This is, um, it's a larger than what we would get at, <laughs> at your facility. And our <laughs> builder comes in like bottles like this, because we use a lot. So what, what is in the future builder? It, uh, does it say it, what ingredients in there? It doesn't give the ingredients, but this is actually a regular feature builder. And then I also have this, which has formaldehyde in it, and it helps prevent de uh, decomposition as well. So this one here, it says firming. That means that it actually has uh, formaldehyde in it, and it will actually uh, make the tissue hardened. Okay. Not super. It, it, it firms it up. Yeah. So the, the question <laughs> is, how many cc's do you put in? Because if someone comes into my office and they want to look younger... Um, you know, mate, like for me, I get six CCs, which sounds like a lot, but that's probably nothing compared to how many CCs you're putting in them. Usually it 
on a typical person that's been only passed away for like one to two days after they get embalmed, the, uh, they also start to lose more because after the embalming process, it dries up even more of your tissues. So, um, if I fill this up, I usually fill this up at least twice to fill out someone's face. So that's 40 so, cc's. Yes. 40 cc's. For those, those viewers out there. So that's, that's, wow. Yes. So typically, um, I would use probably 20 cc's in the temple area because it dehydrates so much. And I would probably, I would probably use, um, about 10 cc's in the upper and lower each of the lips, uh, because they actually open up, uh, your mouth actually opens as it dehydrates and there's a gap. And to fill that in, you have to fill it back out with the tissue that was lost. So I oh. usually but a lot, it's a lot more. So that, that's almost analogous to fat transfer. When we do, when, when I do fat transfer, I'm putting mm -hmm. much higher volumes in someone's face and you're looking at, you know, closer to, um, you know, 60 cc's sometimes, sometimes it's less 20 cc's, 30 cc's, but sometimes 60 cc's, 80 cc's of volume. Um, and especially for, as we, you know, aging sets in for some of us, we've lost so much volume. When you look at someone who's older, who's lost volume, do you see death in their face or no? Sometimes. Sometimes. Um, yeah. And it, it, like I said, um, I actually started getting filler in my temples at a, you know, I'm, I'm 40, but, um, I started getting filler in my temples. Cause I noticed my temples already started to like sink in on the sides and you know, the older we get, you could see it even, you know, in their fifties, sixties, seventies, how much the temples uh, make a big difference in, in the youth, the youthful appearance, uh, for sure. Are, are you seeing people who um, have fillers in their face or implants on their face now when they, they pass away? You're not seeing that quite yet. Is that not quite that generation? Is it like the next generation? Um, it's not as often. No, I see. I would probably say out of 50 deaths, I see maybe one, one out of 50 deaths where the, the people have fillers, implants or um, some sort of Do they work better? done. Oh, yeah. <laughs> do they need more? Or they need less. The what ones that I have been pretty good. So they're, they haven't been overfilled, but, uh, I, I honestly feel like within the next, um, 20 years or so, we are going to start seeing some people who want, who are overfilled. For sure. I'm, I'm, that's going to be, <laughs> um, let's talk about skin. So in, in my practice, if someone comes in with skin issues, um, we're going to work with lasers. We're going to work with peels to kind of even out their skin tone. What happens to the skin when, when we die and how do you uh, adjust that? When we die, um, like I said, dehydration is huge. Um, after the embalming process takes place, um, I immediately put skin cream. It's a really hydrating skin cream that we have for deceased bodies. Um, and that just, we basically cake it on the face, the lips, the eyes, and that stays on um, overnight with a... Uh, like plastic wrap around it um, to keep in that moisture because it uh, certainly, if I don't put the moisturizer on it, um, the, the face will be completely dehydrated. Um, and it just makes the uh, makeup process even way worse than it could be. So without that, that moisturizer in the, in the face, it would be a disaster. That's a similar battle we face, uh, you know, for us, us living folks too, right? Because it's hydration. Oh, Hydration is yeah. the key and getting all that, that hydration to stay in there versus uh, dryness or desiccation. Um, what about hair? Is hair an issue? Hair actually changes right away as well, especially if 
hair has been processed uh, with chemicals, um, it tends to fall out easily. Um, and also you have to be very gentle with it when combing it because it can come out in like clumps. Um, something happens to the hair follicle and it kind of releases from the scalp. Um, so when families request that they want their family members hair colored or highlighted after they pass away, I have to let them know that it's a process that's going to cause further damage if they want it done, that the hair could fall out like in large clumps. So um, I recommend um, other ways to cover up grays. I have hair sprays and dyes that I just brush on instead of actually um, doing uh, processing it with chemicals because it, it's, it, it damages it terribly. Um, and, it, and it's scary when you're pulling the brush through because clumps come out very often, even in men. If they have a scar on their face, um, let's say a scar was one of the causes, uh, let's say a scar on their neck, scar on this, like, how do you cover that up? I actually, that's what I dealt with today. A uh, gentleman was in a car accident. His head hit the windshield oh. and uh, it caused laceration across his head here. Um, so I actually, when I embalmed him, um, usually we use um, thread to sew up the patients, but this time I used a uh, fishing line clear fishing line and I sewed it from the inside because he was autopsied. And when you're autopsied, your skull is actually cut completely open and the this can flap all the way forward. Yeah. And so I actually sewed his incision from the inside of his skull to, it's like a um, invisible suture. And then after that, I, you know, flip it back. Um, today I put wax on it. We, um, I use a certain wax. It's for face, for the face, uh, for wounds or for, um, filling in holes that could happen from a gunshot wound as well. Um, and I actually use the wax works well with, um, heat. Um, uh, so I actually put a blow dryer on it because usually you're supposed to use, use your hands, but I use my hands for nothing in this business because germs get, gets cross-contaminated. So I have gloves on and I use a dry, hair dryer to get the wax warm and it kind of, um, it's easier to work with. So that's how we would cover lacerations. Um, teeth, is that a big issue? Like when people have that, do you have to handle that? Or is that to keep the mouth closed? Do you, um, teeth? yeah, do people want to see their teeth or people say, just keep the mouth closed and we're not deal with that? No, um, unless they have like buck teeth in life, then we have to kind of keep it the natural look of what they, how they would look in life is how we kind of want them to look in the casket. So if they had buck teeth, we would form it to where their teeth would show. But mo no, most of the time, uh, actually all the time, we close the mouth and I use a suture to close the mouth. Um, okay. And I take a needle through the bottom inside part of your lip and it goes through the tissue. And I actually lift the top part of your lip and go through the nose um, and, it and it crosses over and it comes back down. It's hard to explain like, through the podcast right now, but it's actually with a suture with a, and I tie it shut. So it stays closed. Wow. Um, and eyelids, do you have, um, do they want their eyelids closed? I presume, right? Absolutely. Um, so the eyelids are also protected. They're called eye caps. So when a deceased comes in, that's the first thing we do. We sanitize the face. We sanit we open the eyes and sanitize the eyes and then a plastic cap goes over the eye, the eyeball, which helps keep the eyelid closed. Um, and then also it's glued to that plastic eye cap to um, keep them. Closed. 
how long can someone, once you prepare the body, how long will they look like that? Is this like an hour thing, a day thing, a week thing? Um, bodies embalmed, um, as long as it's in a cooler place, um, it will, the body usually stays, we, we've kept bodies up to a month and after they're embalmed that they stay looking as good as possible. And of course the fillers and the feature builders, um, play a huge part whenever we keep them that long, we, we would probably have to put probably double the amount that we typically would if they were just here for a week. Usually um, from the time we get the, the deceased until their funeral is typically uh, seven to 10 days, they usually have a funeral service by then. Um, but if we have to keep them longer, it, it, they stay. Do you think um, when people are looking for a funeral home that they should look at like how they're gonna prepare the body more? than just like the location or this or that, because it's almost like choosing a plastic surgeon. Like, you know, people will say, well, I don't know if the location is as important as it is the, you know, the artist. And when, when you're, the more you hear about, you know, preparing um, dead bodies and how much artistry is there, I mean, you see it, they're preparing the skin, you're preparing, they're actually doing plastic surgery on them, um, you know, with sutures, you're actually um, hydrating them. It's almost like fillers, you're, um, uh, it is basically fillers um, and all the artistry that's involved. And I've, I've seen some beautiful work that you've done, um, which, um, you know, you've showed me these transformations you made are just, I mean, there's nothing short of remarkable how you've transformed, um, you know, someone who looks clearly dead, almost like, a, you know, we watch a zombie movie, but then when you watch how you transform them, you brought life back in their face and in many times made them look almost, if not the same, more beautiful than they are. So how does someone know? Because, you know, when my dad passed away, um, you know, I think he was maybe two or three shades too light and looked a little heavier in the face. How does someone know about this? Is this something that's word of mouth or is this something that we just need to have more awareness about this? Um, it's probably more word of mouth just because, uh, or even like if you, um, Google the, the name of the business, maybe, um, you know, people from the past have put, um, reviews online about the way they look, um, because that is a very important part of, that's like one of the main important, important parts of the funeral process. And, um, I wish there was more ways to, know what to expect from the funeral home that people are going to choose. But right now in the industry, you can't post picture, you know, you can't post pictures of it or have any kind of proof um, besides the word of mouth. And um, it's pretty sad that you just have to take that chance. Yeah. I, I think it's because when you see the before and after, it's just like in my industry, it's, it's great because if you see something, we want to transform it. Like, well, here's your before, here's your after. That's amazing. I don't know if when clients come in, I, it's obviously very difficult. They're dealing with such a grief stricken moment. And honestly, the, the funeral is for, they're the client, obviously the person who's died mm -hmm. is for their memory, but they're the client. Um, it's the family. And to get that proper closure for me, it was such an important part to have, have me um, grieve properly is to see, um, you know, the funerals of um, not just my dad, but my brother to see um, their, their bodies presented um, and again, sometimes we remember these little things and saying, why, you know, why is this there? But it's just, obviously you were not the funeral director. Maybe I wish you, I wish you were, but that part of it is it's, um, um, I, I wish there was more awareness about it. Yeah, I do too. Um, because that's right. The funeral, the funeral service is for the living as much as it is for the person that passed away because, seeing someone in a casket and seeing them for the last time is their closure. And it's also, 
um, them realizing that death did occur because some people have a hard time dealing with death and they kind of, um, uh, it's a part of the grieving process. It's denial that it happened. So like for them to see a deceased in the casket, that's part of the grieving process. And if they have to struggle with you know, if you come in and your your family, the loved one doesn't look like them, that's very stressful for the family. And uh, that's something I had to go through as well. And it was a terrible part of my life. I'll never forget that. So I went like it in this industry though, it's kind of like picking a plastic surgeon or someone to do your Botox and your fillers. Um, you take a chance for the first time and you hope that they're going to do a good job, but this isn't like, you don't get to go back for a second try. So, um, you know, doing research and reviews. And that's how I found you <laughs> by looking online and, and looking at all the reviews and how many people said great things about, about you all. And, uh, I, but I wish that we could put, put that, put more of that out on online and talk more openly about it. A lot of people are uncomfortable even talking about death. So it's, yeah, a, a I, I'm just kind of imagining the future, um, the future of this and, you know, if you could show even like two or three of the transformations you showed, you showed me like, uh, we looked at I think 30 to 40 of them. And mm -hmm. I was just wowed uh, because what I can do with, with things are I can make someone, you know, I can turn someone back and help them. But what you were able to do with, it was just transformational beyond, um, um, you know, w which I thought was even possible. So uh, maybe in the future, it'll be before and afters of, of dead ones. And again, I don't, I don't know if that's going to work because again, me having gone through that, I'm not sure that would be um, them wanting to see that. You know, I think it's just, there's, there's so many different emotional elements. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, but hopefully, um, you know, anyone listening to this will, will kind of know if they have someone, you know, where this has happened that they choose an artist and mm -hmm. the fact that you're so passionate about what you do. Uh, and I think that you're, your own process of you having to deal with, uh, you, know, you know, both your mom and your dad. And um, um, I think it really translates to your work. And again, I, I can say that from looking at it, you can see the artistry and you can see, um, you know, uh, the love and how you can, how you really care about the family you're taking care of. Thank you. Yes, that's absolutely true. And um, usually when you're dealing with a funeral director, um, typically um, the ones that actually have, passion and care about families, not just in it for, you know, money reasons. Um, you could typically tell if someone really cares about your family when you're in there in that arrangement room. Um, and if they really truly care, they will spend the time to make sure that everything's done right. Uh, you know, preparing the family and preparing the deceased for the funeral. Uh, I hope, cause I, I've seen some bad work in the industry. I'm like, we all have in every industry. Uh, but they sometimes think that they're good at what they do um, <laughs> and they're really not. So, I mean, it's just, I guess it's all a matter of opinion, I guess. If, if there's, you know, if there's a family that comes in that's never dealt with death before, they don't really know what to expect. Um, and uh, in my, in my line of work, when I take a family into that chapel, if they are not 100% pleased, I always tell them, I'm like, if you want anything changed, if you need me to fix anything, if anything doesn't look right, just let me know. But I, and I'm not bragging because I have not ever had anyone tell me to change anything. They always say, oh my God, he looks so peaceful. He looks um, like he's sleeping. He looks better than he was when he was alive. Um, and uh, there's certain uh, features, the feature builder that I use to even make, 
uh, I can have a person appears, not that they're smiling, but they're not have that sad look or frowning face on their, on their face whenever they're laying there. But, um, there's certain techniques, techniques that I've learned, uh, that have truly helped. And one of them was uh, Jimmy. He taught me a lot. He was my teacher and, um, he's really good at, at these feature building, uh, feet, uh, that techniques that we use. So Beautiful. I learned from. <laughs> yeah. So Kelly, this is, this is just amazing. Thank you so much for, um, you're showing how beauty isn't just something that's, that we care about when we're alive. It's something we care about when we're dead. And it's not just what we think about ourselves when we're alive. It's what we think about others and our family and our loved ones or you know, potential other ones. And same thing when we're dead, we have mm-hmm. many of those same thought processes um, you know, for our loved ones have the same thought process and the, the deceased, they're, they're going to want those, uh, uh, our outside appearance to reflect how we really are. So thanks for joining us. Uh, if, if any of our, our listeners want to find out more information or want to contact you, what's the best way to do that? Um, they can either call here or email me. Usually emails, um, easier to get a hold of me that way. Um, uh, my email is Kelly, K E L L Y A at my Calumet Park. I'll spell it out M Y C A L U M E T P A R K dot com. Um, and then the phone number here is 219 940 3791. And I'd be happy to answer any questions that anyone has. Awesome. Well, hopefully, I will not need your services anytime soon. <laughs> not either. <laughs> and uh, thanks so much for, um, which I think is fascinating, just talking about um, all the things that happen when we die. Um, and right. hopefully we'll have more open conversations about this. And um, Well, thank you for having me. It was really interesting. I wish I could talk more about it. <laughs> There's plenty more subjects we could touch on in, a, in another date, I'm sure. Awesome. Thanks, Kelly. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of Masters of Beauty. If you like this episode and don't want to miss out on the next, be sure to subscribe right here where you listen to your favorite podcast. And if you really want to help the show out, leave us a five-star review and a comment or possible topics that you would love to hear Dr. Shaw discuss. We love hearing from you. To find out the latest updates from Dr. Shaw and Shaw Aesthetics, you can follow us on Instagram at Shaw Aesthetics and on YouTube at youtube.com slash Shaw. You can find these links and any other links mentioned by Dr. Shaw and his guests during this episode in the show notes. Again, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time on Masters of Beauty.